So Freedom Family, if you can stand with me, if you can stand with me, we can give a big, big hand praise for this mighty, awesome man of God from Los Angeles, California, by way of Washington, D.C., Minister Lewis Collins, Freedom Family. Yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. Okay, that was good for me, but can we give God a hand praise? Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, can we give God, can we give him the best praise? Come on, come on, there's, there's about 300,000 people who can't do that right now. But he's kept you during this pandemic. Can we open up our mouth and send Judah up right now? Can we give God? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I do this everywhere I go. I did it with the youth. I did it during the intensive. And listen, I'm just ready to preach. I, I feel the energy. I feel God in here. Thank you, A to Z. You guys set the atmosphere. God is on your life. I, right now, I feel a prophetic spirit on me. Like God's getting ready to take y'all into doors that y'all wouldn't even think of. I think y'all about to be on stages that were set for secular artists. And about to, you're about to bring people to God that, that you never thought you would bring. So God, I just I pray right now over them that their anointing will begin to flow all across this world. Right now, in the name of Jesus. And if you believe it for them, won't you give them a hand? Come on, come on, come on. Listen. The Bible says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalms 48 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. That scripture is powerful because what that means is the, 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 the revelation of who God is in your life should match the praise that you give him. So if he's only a good God, you only give him a good praise. If he's an all right God, you give him an all right praise. If he's not a good God, don't give him a praise at all. But if he's a great God, you give him a great praise. The Bible says great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Can I just get somebody to open up your mouth and give God a great praise? Come on, I'm doing some stuff got a break in here. Somebody came in here with a heavy heart. Somebody came in here with a heavy spirit. But I bind you in the name of Jesus. Devil, I command every attack. Everything you come to set up today will be canceled right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing. I'm sorry, I came to fight the devil today. I came to fight the devil today. I came, COVID hit my family and they came out there. So I came to fight the devil today. All right? I came to fight. I came to fight. Woo, okay, let me calm down. Come in, Louis. Okay, okay. Let me do, God, I give, I, give, I give honor to the pastor of this great church, honor to CJ. Um, uh, all my friends, I, I love being here. And you, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, I'm from the Noisy Crew. I, 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 my ministry came up in the Kojic Church. If you know anything about, you can be seated. If you know anything about the Kojic Church, you know we we will praise on a dime, we'll dance. We'll, so that, that that's just my background. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So I'm from the Noisy Crew. All right, but but I I do give honor to the the pastor of this great church. Uh, I honor CJ and the anointing on his life. And um, let's get into it. I'm ready to preach. I believe God has a word for somebody in here. Okay, okay. Um, I'm coming out of Mark 8. Mark 8. There's a, a particular passage of scripture. Um, the, thing, the thing I love about Mark is that I love his gospel. He's my, it's my favorite gospel of the synopsis because it's set up like a movie. Mark is the only gospel that, that kind of is written like a story. Much of this is due to him probably getting firsthand knowledge because it's, it's assumed that he was a disciple of Peter. So, so you know, he, he may have had a lot of first, firsthand knowledge. So he, he's kind of just writing maybe as Peter is talking or telling him 
recounting the stories of Jesus. But it's set up like, like a movie. Mark will take you up, then he'll take you down, he'll take you up, then he'll take you down, he'll take you back up, and then he'll take you down. All right? Almost like a climatic like, scenes in a movie. But the thing that frustrates me about Mark is that he leaves out a lot of information. So in the circumference of our text today, we find that there's a blind man in Bethsaida. Mark doesn't tell us where he comes from, doesn't tell us his name, doesn't tell us how long he's been blind. We just know he's blind. All right? We just know he's blind. And what, what this passage begins, when the passage begins to, to explain this situation, we see a lot of, a lot of different things. In it. We see a lot of um, things we can draw out, a lot, of, a lot of nuggets we can draw out that, that are specific to being able to see again. All right? There's a chapter in my book called Vision Rehab. So for those who take in notes that you want a sermon topic, um, I guess the sermon topic today would be to see again. I want to come to get somebody free today, to heal somebody, to, to um, set up for the Holy Spirit to really set you free. Because many of you have been looking at life through the wrong lens. Some of you have been blind all your life. Some have were, were had their vision and then lost it. Right? So I, as I begin to speak, I want you to begin to figure out where do you fall in that category? Where, where, where do you fall in, 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 how, in your blindness? Were you, were you blind your whole life as I begin to preach? Or were you just, you lost it? Things happened to you over the course of your years of living and you just, you just lost your desire to, to see, to have vision, to have dreams, to have goals, to be healed from certain things and disappointments, all right? The scripture, the passage I want to draw out is... Verse 25, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eye. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. To see again. To see again. Okay, the first thing we see in this text, the first thing we see in this text, go back and read it, uh, Mark 8. All right, the first thing we see in this text is that we see that certain people bring a blind man to Jesus. Yeah. They bring a blind man to Jesus and ask him to heal him. Now, the first thing Jesus does is he takes the blind man out of the village to a, a different place. He did this for a number of reasons. All right? He did this for a number of reasons. Most would say, well, because Jesus didn't want to reveal who he was at the time. But by this time, Jesus' ministry was already, already in full force. All right? It was already in full force. So I like to think that Jesus did this as an example to his disciples. The, what I want to draw out of that is the, the principle of positioning. The principle of positioning. Sometimes people can't get their sight back. They can't get healed. They can't see the way God wants them to see it because they won't get up and move from a situation that is killing them. It's killing their sight. And the miracle, check this out, the miracle really wasn't, okay, let me back up. The miracle is in the man seeing again. But the blessing is in the man having enough wisdom and enough knowledge to say, Jesus, lead me to where you want me to go. Yeah. Okay. The Bible says, 
I mentioned this the other day. The Bible says in Psalms, the steps of a good man are ordered by God. If God is ordering your steps, that means he's ordering your life. I heard a preacher say this. He said, he said what, what you see determines where, where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. The reason some people keep walking into bad situations, can't get healed, can't get whole, is because they think they see more clearly than God. When God is sitting in a place where you can only see to the corner, but God sees around the corner. And the problem that many of us have is that we think we know better than God. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm coming up some people's out. I'm coming up some people. I'm about to pull in some of y'all garage right now. Let me talk about some relationships. <laughs> because some of you, or some people, I want to say some of you, freedom fellowship, y'all get good training. Y'all got a great pastor. Y'all get good training. But some people, you can be like, God is like, God is knocking on your door and say, okay, no, not him, not her. He's like, no, God, I think, no, no, not him, not her. No, God, no, no, not him, not her. And then soon God just shut up. It's like, okay, do what you want to do. And then, and then you end up getting in a situation and you get your heart broke and then you go back to God. Well, God, why didn't you tell me? And sometimes people are praying for specific answers. They're like, okay, God, I want to know if this is the person I'm supposed to be with, this is the person I'm supposed to marry. Please tell me. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. It doesn't, okay, let me, let me help you with something. Sometimes the answer is no when you don't get a response. We keep waiting for God to do something. You say, okay, God, there's no movement. That's because the answer is no. But you have to have your discernment turned on. You have to have your discernment turned on. You have to be in prayer. You have to be able to see the way God sees things. Right? So you have to have the proper perspective. Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines what you do. Here's the second thing we see in this text. And I'm going to park here for a second. Because Jesus takes the man out of the city. Then he spits in the man's eye. Read it. It's in the text. He took the blind man out of the village when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Jesus said, do you see anything? Now, some people here are, or some people are more hyper-spiritual and you just like, oh yeah, the blessing of the spit. Yes. <laughs> but if you like me, when you read that, when I first read that, I said, that's nasty. I said that, that what? because here's the caveat. God didn't need to spit to heal him. Why? Because when he spit on him, his eyes didn't open until God took to Jesus touched him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the significance of the spit? I have some questions. This is why I know I could not live in Jesus' time. I couldn't. I couldn't, because I would have been that disciple that, that would question everything. He's like, okay, you know what, Jesus? There's something funny about Judas. I don't know why he's on the team. <laughs> Thomas is sometimes, he, like, he, he don't know what he want to believe sometimes. Like, okay, okay, listen, Peter going to get all of us killed. You need to do something about that. <laughs> like, 
And, and, and then what about John? Just everywhere you go, John is always in your face. It's like, where, I would have had some questions. But here's the significance of the spit. The spit is the principle of posture. Because if somebody spits in your face today, you probably ready to fight. So you have to be humble enough that when God decides to do something the way you don't want him to do it, but it still fixes the situation to accept it. Because sometimes God will want to heal that, that specific thing you're praying for, but he also wants to heal whatever you don't see in your life as well. God may want to heal your body, but he also wants to heal that pride you have, so he'll send the heal in a certain way that not only fixes the blindness, but fixes the pride of your heart. Yeah. Yeah, so he spit in the man's eye. And here's kind of where things changed. Because Jesus says, he asked the question, he said, do you see anything that's significant do you see anything now I was always taught I was taught in seminary I said whenever if you really want to get an understanding of the text you got to ask the text questions so my first question there was if a man who knows everything why would he ask anybody anything Whenever Jesus asked a question in the text, he wasn't seeking information. He was trying to drop revelation. There's two things here that we see. Because if you go back a few chapters, Jesus had to check his disciple because they were still viewing uh, the people through the improper lens. And he, wants, and, he had, and he had to double back and say, okay, you still do not see. So I believe a few chapters later, he wanted to make that point because Jesus, his disciples was with him. That's one, that's one reason. The second reason is, I believe that your healing and your sight is attached to your honesty. Do you see anything? The man said, the blind man said, yeah, I see, I see people and they look like trees walking. Ask the question again. This should jump out to you. If the man is blind, how do you know what trees look like? So I have to I have to peek in for two perspectives here. Either at one point he had his sight and then lost it, or somebody told him what trees look like and he just guessed. Let's deal with the first one. What happened to you when you lost your luster of life? Who hurt you so bad? That you lost your vision, your dreams, your goal. Who touched you? Who broke your heart? What job laid you off? What job passed you over? What family member walked out of your life? 
What hurt you and cut you so bad that it was hard to see? Because when we don't address issues, we stay blind. I said this the other night. I said it's funny because some people who are broken don't want to get whole. Because broken people love attention. Mm. Don't worry, it'll hit you Tuesday. <laughs> broken people love attention. So I'll stay broken and not get whole because I keep getting the very thing that I want. When, the, when it's easier to live being whole. It, it, it's amazing to me how, how broken people, people who was at the tents, and you'll, you'll feel this, will tax you. It's amazing how blind people will tax you. Because... I didn't finish the other night. I, I did it on purpose. The end of the story to Jonah. To Jonah. I talked about how Jonah, because he was insensitive to other people's um, um, feelings and other people's lives, that his decision caused a storm. And that storm puts people's lives in danger. All because Jonah was in his feelings. Because God told Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to do that because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was, the, was the, the, the people who was oppressing Jonah's people. So it's funny because Jonah knew if he preached God and he preached against the city of Nineveh, they will repent. What do you do when you're forced to help people who are hurting you? How do you be Christian, spiritual enough to put yourself on the back burner and do what God has called you to do, even when you know certain people don't like you? Come on. The very people you need nothing from, you are called to help, and you know they don't like you. So it has it, Jonah gets on the boat, storm breaks out. Ultimately, he falls asleep. He comes up in the bunker. And they say, okay, and here's the, here's the second piece of that that I purposely left out. Jonah says, okay, the only way we're going to resolve this is you have to throw me over. Now, <laughs> I couldn't live in that time, y'all. Because <laughs> I'm like, you caused all of this. You a grown man. Jump off. I know that's comical, but think about it. Because people who are in their feelings, when they're insensitive to other people, they'll have them doing stuff that they should be doing themselves. They have them fixing problems that they should be doing themselves. When you are blind, when you are not whole, when you are not healed, you will have other people that collateral damage of issues you should be fixing yourself. So now you're taxing and you're, and, 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 and you're, and you're draining other people because you want to address your own issues. You got to get your sight back. 
Got to get your sight back. So back to the narrative of the blind man. Do you see anything? Blind man says, I, I see I see people and they look like trees walking. We don't know what, what caused the man's blindness to happen. But it's, it could be possible that he had a sight in him. The second one was, or second uh, idea is that somebody told him what trees look like. I, I address this a little bit in the book because some of you are so reliant on others to tell you who you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to respond to things. So when you decide not to do that, they get on you about it when the fact of the matter is you are entitled to your own feelings. You are entitled to your own feelings. And, here, and here's the thing. When I don't respond how you want me to respond, now I'm the bad person. Because you're blind and can't see that I have a right to my own way of doing things, my own way of response. So if, if I'm hurt, oh, I don't need Holy Ghost. I heard it. Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't want to offend nobody. But sometimes Christians, we, we, have to, we have to get rid of some bad doctrine. Because when somebody is going through something, we say, oh, just pray about it. You just need to pray about it and leave it to God. Okay? What if I prayed about it? I'm fasting, I'm praying, and I still feel the same way. Well, no, you know what? You just need to, no, mm -mm. you ain't praying hard enough. Pray harder. Okay, I pray harder. I still feel the way I feel. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that God has left you. Doesn't mean that God is not working. Because uh, the people, I'm sorry, y'all. I, I, I just, I, I see scripture, I see stories when I'm talking. The people of Israel were praying. Yeah, yeah. They thought God had forgot about them when they were enslaved in Egypt. And they did not know that while they were praying, that God was answering the problem. Woo. <laughs> yes. Come on, Lord. Oh my God. But they couldn't see the answer to the problem. They just had to keep praying. Yeah. But while they were praying, God was setting up an answer to the problem. While they were having a conversation with God, God was having a conversation with Moses. Yes. I'm trying to tell you, don't be discouraged. Keep praying, because while you're praying, God is also talking to your answer. Hey, that's good, Lou. That's good, bro. That's good. You preach Okay, I'm back. That's good. That's good, man. The blind man. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you, Holy. I, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, pra I praise God for great mentors. I heard my mentor saying, and it's, it fits right here. Because not only <laughs> when the people got the answer to the problem, they came across, they came to the Red Sea. Thank you, Dr. Darius Daniels, because you opened my mind to this. 
Because the Bible says that they walked on dry ground when the Red Sea opened. Anybody who knows anything about water and dirt, when water moves, it's not supposed to be dry, it's supposed to be muddy. Maybe the reason the Bible is specific say it was dry ground because when God was taking the people, he didn't want them tracking their past into their future. Because what mud does, when it sticks to your feet, you take it into places you... See again. So here, God, I thank you. Here, we have a blind man who answers Jesus, and he says, "I, I don't. I, I, I see. I see people, and they look at trees." He was honest. His honesty is pivotal because he knew Jesus' track record. He knew, the people knew, Jesus was good for keeping his word. When he said, when somebody got healed, they got healed. Completely. So when he said, I see people, and they look like trees walking. The blind man who was blind, think about this, could have just been happy seeing a little bit. He couldn't he start jumping. Oh, praise God. You know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I see a little bit. I can see colors. I'm good. I, I'm good. You know what? But he said, no. They brought me here to you. I'm going to tell you what I see because I'm not going to settle for anything less than you can do for me. The problem many people have is that they have this inclination to always settle. You got to stop settling because if God showed you a vision, even though you may have lost it, the vision is still there. Because the gifts of God are irrevocable. So if God promised you something, he has to stand on it. That means you should not settle for anything less than what God promised you. I don't want to just see a little bit of it. I don't want to just get the promotion. I want to run the company. God showed me that I was going to run the company. I don't want to just see the promotion. I want to run the company. God showed me that my business will flourish. I'm not good with just a few customers. I want my business to take off. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Get your sight back. Verse 25. And here's, you know, they say it's good homiletics when you finish what you started. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eye. And his eyes were open, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. You have, I, I, I mentioned this in the book. I said, I said um, Jesus is the central figure of this text. And I even said in the book, I said, I have to be careful here because he's technically not the hero. I know I just lost some of y'all. You have me now. 
You talking about Jesus not being a hero of the text? Huh? Mm -mm, you lost me. Follow me. The hero or heroes of the text are there. They're just incognito. You'll miss them if you read too fast. Because Jesus is the central figure of the text. So there's a principle that we can draw, principles we can draw out of the text. However, the heroes of the text are the people. Because in the beginning of the text, it said the people brought a blind man to Jesus. Here's the principle of people. Because you ought to thank God for individuals in your life who had enough sense to see that you were killing yourself, to see that you were going down the wrong path, took you by the hand and said, come to church with me. Took you by the hand and said, I'm going to pray for you. Took you by the hand and said, you need better for your life. I, I, this, you need better for your life. So though Jesus is the central text of this particular narrative, the heroes are the people. They say, I, I, I know a man who can heal you. I know a man who can save you. I know a man, no matter what hurt it was, whether it's from a relationship, whether it's from a marriage, whether it's from a job, uh-oh, whether it's from a church, Healing can take place. But you have to want it. Don't be like the man at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah, the man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus asked him, do you wish to get whole? And the first thing the man did when he made an excuse, well, I don't have anybody to put me in the boat and put me in the water. Jesus, I didn't ask you all that. I said, do you wish to get home? Well, I've been hurt so much, I didn't ask you all that. Do you wish to get home? Well, I've been hurt so much, I didn't ask you all that. Do you wish to get home? Well, I've been stepped over, looked over, stabbed in the back, I didn't ask you all that. Do you wish to get home? Because healing you is the easy part. <laughs> healing you is the easy part. Yeah. The hard part is you having enough sense to say, you know what? I got to do the work to get home. Right, right. Glory yeah. So, as A to Z, if you guys want to come and come up, I want to, I want to get to prepare your mind for something. I believe from the moment we started church, the Holy Spirit was in the room. I felt it. Felt it. Um, one thing I, I never do, uh, I, need you to, I need you to trust me here. I don't lie on the Holy Spirit. I spent too much time in prayer to ever say that the Holy Spirit showed me or I felt something and, 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 not, for you, and not for the people who listen to me to believe it. I take this moment here very seriously because there are some of you sitting right now, 
you may be saying, well, you know, I don't have you know, issues, I'm, I'm good, and you know, I, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been all right, I've been hurt, but you're not whole. There are some of you sitting that's like, you know what? I just realized listening, that I got some work to do. Because Jesus, here's, here's how we know. Now, I made a mistake earlier. I said the man from Bethsaida. <laughs> here's how we know the man wasn't from Bethsaida. I'm going to read the text, just so y'all believe me. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eye. Then his eyes were open. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Verse 26. Jesus sent him home. Home again, shameless plug. Okay. <laughs> Jesus sent him home, saying, don't even go back into the village. That right there tells me Bethsaida was, the Bethsaida was a village. That tells me that the man from jump was out of place. And you know, it, it, it might be eisegesis, but I still believe there's a principle there. That sometimes maybe maybe God Jesus had to pull him out of the village because if he would have healed him in the village, he may have walked right back into the very thing that blinded him in the first place. So he pulls him out of the village, heals him, and then says, "Go home. Don't go back." Don't go back after your healing. Go home. Go back to the place I called you to. Before I, before I formed you in your muscle, I knew you, so go home. Some of you are struggling to find your way home. It's not, it's not because you're a bad person. It's just that somewhere, somewhere along the way, you lost your sight. You lost your sight. Some things became more important to you. To the love of Christ. Some things you, you put on a pedestal. Or some people you put on a pedestal. And then when it didn't work out how you thought it should, you were disappointed. That disappointment led you down a dysfunctional cycle of behavior. And then that cycle led you into a foreign village where you were completely blind. But I got great news for you. God, Jesus, God sent somebody to bring you to Jesus. Yeah. You coming into this church today, whether it be by invite, whether it be by this is being your church home. I don't believe in coincidences, especially in the spiritual. 
if you are here, if this is probably your first time here, or you just been coming and going, like, okay, I'm gonna just come back today and see how it is. I think that was a specific purpose. You're in foreign territory, and God is trying to get you home. If everybody would just stand.